Welcome back to the everybodysuffers.com podcast. After all, everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? I'm Carl Brown, and I'm joined by Ed Joza, the mystic next door, and we're we're just sharing, Ed is sharing experiences that he's had that are in his book, The Mystic Next Door, which you can find at themysticnextdoor.org. And our hope is that we can help make sense out of suffering. Ed's going to share some of his suffering. <clears throat> but we want to share that so that either you experience consolation or you can share consolation with others. And just want to give a quick shout out to Matt, Rob, Doug, Jeff, and Marion who are listening. And also Bonnie's Rosary Group. Thank you for listening and for sharing this podcast. And let's, I'll just, just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of our Blessed Mother. She warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sars Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda was specifically a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked, or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? We're going to start out with prayer and then jump right in to continue the discussion with Ed from yesterday. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Lord, send forth your Spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. And Lord, help me to say only what you want me to say and make me forget what you don't want me to say and open the ears of our audience so that they can hear what message you have prepared for them today. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Ed, welcome back. This is episode five, I think. Yeah. Well, man, great to be here again. I always enjoy it. And I keep getting text messages from people, and they're waiting for the next episode, and someone messaged me and said, what does it mean to exit time? And yesterday's episode, you shared with us your first encounter of exiting time. What an amazing story that was. Then you came right back into your hospital bed and it seemed like just a second had passed, but it felt like way more than that. Then tell us more about the next experience that you had in the hospital. Yeah. You know, and something that I think I might've left out is I went into that experience that we talked about yesterday in the red room, having no idea that God was holding my soul, you know, from the moment from before my conception and, you know, until that moment that he let go. And I never felt it when I when I came back into my bed, while I had a great fear that, my goodness, I might not be going to heaven. I, you know, at that point and from that point forward, even till to today, I can feel God's hand holding my soul. And my friends, I assure you that this is one of those parts of this message that is 
not unique to me, but he holds each and every one of our souls. So that was the only solace that I got out of that, you know, but the, the next, so that next day, starting in late morning, you know, this is day nine now, and my pain that day started ratcheting up, which, you know, didn't seem to make sense because at this point, nine days in, I'm healing, I should be feeling better, but, but the pain is, is ratcheting up and it's really ratcheting up by the hour. And my, my wife came late morning and by the time she got there, you know, remember I was living in a state to where when people walked into the room, it caused, you know, made me want to scream only see, I thought I was at my limit of pain then. And see that, that was just the, the low threshold because to, you know, this day the pain was just, it, it, it was increasing unbelievably. I had no idea why. So she came in and it was just, it was awful. Her, her presence in the room was just, was agonizing. And I kept calling the nursing station. We were, I was hours at this point, hours late on my pain medicine. Going into this, they were really good about staying right up on it, you know, to the minute when my pain medicine was due to the minute it, it was administered. But now I'm hours late. They're not answering me. They would just say, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. And they didn't. So I didn't want to tell my wife, you know, she was so incredibly worried about me. And, you know, we talked about that physical toll and how that, that fear that just was on everybody's face. We're, we're nine days in this. She's exhausted. You know, the hospital is an hour away from our home. So she's driving two hours a day back and forth, you know, and I didn't want to tell her that I was agonizing. I just told her I'm way behind. So I told her I was really sleepy and I just needed rest. And I, I said, you know, you, you haven't spent much time with our kids who were pretty young at the time. I said, why don't you go back home, spend time with them? Uh, I'll be okay. And, and hey, please, on, on your way out, stop at the nurse's station and see if you can get them to come and bring my pain medicine. And so nothing, you know, she left and she sent me a text. At this point, I had my phone back and she sent me a text and said, I let them know they're going to be down. Nothing and nothing and nothing. And I keep calling and the pain by is ratcheting up by the minute. To, I mean, it's to the point to where I don't, I, I really don't think I can take, I didn't think I could take it before, but the Lord, you know, he, he took me right up to that threshold of pain. But now I've, I've gone completely over what I could stand and nothing. They're not even answering my calls anymore. An absolute feeling of abandonment and at a certain point in the early evening, a new a new nurse comes in and he he walks up and he starts writing on the on the whiteboard information, which I wish I would have looked at because I don't never thought to look at what he wrote. But I said, he told me he was my nurse for the evening, and I said, oh thank God. I said I am so far behind on my pain medicine. Uh, I am in absolute agony, and he. He stopped writing and turned around and he said, did no one tell you? And I said, tell me what? And he said, a mistake was made. And this morning you were given too much of a certain medicine. We can't give you any pain medicine. We can't even give you Tylenol for the 24 hours till about 8 o'clock in the morning the next day. Now it's about 6 o'clock at night. And I thought, oh my gosh. How am I going to make it through the night? Because, see, the pain just was, as that old pain medicine got out of my system, that pain medicine that I didn't think was doing anything, 
it actually was. And I was in for a really long night, you know, and then he did something that has stuck with me and has given me something to try to emulate in my life. He came and he sat down next to me and he just talked to me. We didn't talk about hospitals and doctors and medicine and all the things that I'd been, that's all we talked about for the last nine days. We just talked. He told me he was a traveling nurse, that he he spends every night in a different hospital and that he wouldn't be back at this hospital until after I was home. And we we just talked about things. I, I, I really don't even remember, but it, he comforted me. We talked a really long time. We talked so long, about 45 minutes. We talked so long that the guy that is literally wrapped up like a mummy, right? He, I look like a comedy, right? With casts on every part of my body and, you know, machines sticking out of me all over. And I'm concerned about his time. And I said, oh my goodness. I said, you have so much to do. I said, you know, you need to move on. You have so much to do. And he, he stopped and he said, I have nothing else to do right now. You know, and I, I think about, you know, he, t- he talked for a while and then finally at about 45 minutes, he left, and he left me feeling peace. I was at, it was at peace. I was in the same amount of pain, but there, there was a peace about it. And I think about, in my talks, I've spoken to a lot of nurses in, in Indiana, and the interesting thing about that, you know, I always wondered if that guy was an angel. And it's funny that in my talks, the, the nurses have told me, they said, you know, there is no position there is no nursing position where you travel from hospital to hospital every night. That does not exist in Indiana. There are temporary positions, but you take those and they're, you know, a month at a time or weeks at a time, but they're not day by day changing. The other interesting thing about it is that at that moment, the doctors still had me listed that I would be in that hospital for a couple of months and that I would be at another hospital, a rehab hospital, for at least a couple months. So <laughs> I, I think about how he knew that I would be home before he was back at that hospital. Was, so I don't know if he was an angel or not. I've always wondered that. But if he wasn't, he behaved like one. And it made me realize that we all have the ability to behave like an angel to someone else, to offer that peace and that comfort, and to say, when our day is so busy and we think we don't have time to stop, to stop and tell someone that you have nothing else to do right now. So that was a lesson that I learned from there. And he left and I thought, how am I going to pass this time, right? It's, it's you know, mid-evening, getting into the nighttime and I have hours and hours to go where the pain is getting more intense by the moment. And I think... Well, maybe if I close my eyes, I don't think I'm going to fall asleep, right? Because the the pain is just too intense. But I think maybe, just maybe I will. And I close my eyes and it is as if I am leaning out. I'm like over a ledge. This ledge, it goes on left and right from horizon to horizon. And out ahead of me is just a black darkness, an abyss of nothingness. And I lean over the ledge and I can see in the bottom of this great pit 
a mass of creatures that are entwined in each other. They're overlapping and twisted and, and their faces have multiple eyes and multiple mouths and they're, they're covered in blood and they are the wailing that comes out of it. The sound is soul stealing, terrifying. And again, this is, this is that other world. And it, these words, I'm telling you that it's terrifying and it's, there's just no word to describe it. And, and it's, it's horrible. And, And I open my eyes and I'm back in my bed and I close them again. And again, I am sort of, I move out to this ledge and I peek over again and I, I peer down into the soul stealing fear of hell. And the sound is wailing up at me, bone chilling. So I open my eyes and terrified and I pray and I, I ask the Lord to send the Holy Spirit to take these visions away. But I, I do not close my eyes again because I don't have faith that the Lord will send the Holy Spirit to me. I'm afraid to close my eyes. And so I decide that I'm going to talk to him. And the first thing I say is, I say, Lord, Jesus, take my pain. And see, I, I said before that if if you can pray hallelujah because the Lord is with you, prayer wells up from the Lord, and that's where it comes from. A prayer wells up in me that is absolutely 100% foreign to my knowledge at that time. I ask the Lord to take my pain, and then I instantly say, no, that is unfair. You've already carried my pain once. I said, I will carry my pain, and I will carry it for the salvation of the world. I had no concept what that was. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have the faintest clue of redemptive suffering at that time in my life. Remember, I, at this point, was the most uncatechized person you're going to come across. And the idea of redemptive suffering, it just was not in my mind. And then I I make that offering to him, and I decide that I need, you know, I'm afraid to close my eyes. And I decide that I'm going to talk to the Lord. I talk to Jesus about his passion. And it just, you know, this these thoughts came to me like they weren't my own. I never made the correlation while I laid there for days. But I said, my Lord, I, did, I had no idea how much you suffered for me. I said, they, they scourged you and, and tore the skin from your body. And I, I said, my own skin has been torn off of my back. Every time that they would pull me up in that bed, the, the, the scabs would be torn and stick to the cloth, and I would scream in agony. And I, and I said, they, they pierced your, your hands and your feet. I said, my, my own bones have pierced my skin. I said, they hung you on the cross, and you suffocated for hours. I, I suffocated for hours in that car. You know, I... I thought about how much blood he lost, the effect of that, where I, I was so weak after my blood loss, just living, just living was all I had the energy to do. And to think that he had to carry that cross. We, we talked about his passion for, for probably about an hour, and I talked and he listened. And something obviously happened in that time because at the end of talking, I, 
I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, I'm, I'm tired, and I'm going to close my eyes and try to go to sleep. See, I had forgotten about that pit of hell. I was no longer afraid to close my eyes. And so I, I told him I was going to close my eyes, and I did. And in front of me, as I closed my eyes, there's, I'm in the vastness now again. There's a vastness around me, but it's not a, it's black, but it's not where that first black was like a blackness of an abyss of, a, of, of nothingness. This was, there was something peaceful about it. And right in front of me, right in front of my eyes was this again. This is that other world. And now I fear that the words I use are blasphemous because to say that this was beautiful is insulting because beautiful is not adequate by infinity to describe. But the Holy Spirit, or th th there was a ball of light, a ball of light in front of me. It's about the size of a grapefruit is what it appeared. And it was staggeringly beautiful. So I open my eyes again, and a little voice says, brain damage. And I, I think I have brain damage. And I close my eyes again, and sure enough, that beautiful ball of light is still there. And I immediately open my eyes, and the word brain damage. Now remember, I knew that I didn't have brain damage. We knew that. We tested it. No concussion, nothing. And yet the voice, right, the spiritual battle, pulling me away from the Lord. So at that point, I, with the only hand that is outside of a cassette, they left free so that I could hit the call button. I reached down to push that call button with my thumb and a voice right next to me, an audible voice sitting in the chair next to me in this very tiny room says, look at it. It is the Holy Spirit. So I immediately turn to my left and there's nobody there. And so now I know that I have brain damage. <laughs> And I think about that. I'm such a man of doubt. I'm such a man of doubt. And thank God he has patience for me. Because I think I have brain damage. And so as I'm reaching down now, the audible voice means nothing to me. I reach down and as I'm ready to push that button, that move, that voice moves into the back of my head. And it pleads with me. Look at it. It is the Holy Spirit. And then I knew that voice. That was the voice. That was the voice that saved a little girl. That was the voice that saved my son. And that was the voice that was now saving me. And I knew it. I knew it was truth. So I believed it. And I took my thumb away from the call button. And I looked at the Holy Spirit. I closed my eyes. And I looked at the Holy Spirit. And as I looked at it, I started being transported out into that vastness of what I'll call space, but I didn't see planets or stars. It just, there was a, just a vastness, right? And I, I'm transported out. I'm, I'm moving at an incredible rate. And, and as I move towards the Holy Spirit, it, he is growing, right? And, and, and that's the other thing I want to clarify. The voice did say, indeed, look at it. And at that time, because of my poor knowledge, my, my poor understanding, my lack of understanding, I considered the Holy Spirit an it. It was a thing. Right? God the Father and God the Son. But the Holy Spirit was a thing. It was an it. 
and the proper the proper word is he and so from from here on out i will use the proper word but the this the voice spoke to me in my language so that i understood because if that voice would have said look at him I, it wasn't a hymn to me. It was a thing. And so the voice spoke as I needed to hear. As I get out closer to the Holy Spirit, it, it, as I'm getting closer, it's growing in intensity and its brightness. So incredibly bright. And just as my, it, just as I think, I, I can barely look at him, a veil covers him. And it's a beautiful gossamer veil. And the only thing I can think of, go online and look at plasma, like energy plasma, right? It's like a, when you look at plasma, it's like, it's like a veil that it's like lit up. And that's what this was. It was a, such a beautiful color. I, there is not a color in this world to describe what this veil looked like, but it was illuminated by the light of the Holy Spirit. And it covered just enough of it so that I, just enough of him so I could look at the Holy Spirit in comfort and it didn't hurt my eyes. And that veil was pulled in spires, north and south, east and west, in a perfect symmetrical cross. And I come up to a, a very close distance where I'm, I'm, I'm going to say standing before the, the Lord. But see, I, I wasn't standing, and I don't believe I had a body. But it, in my, in my mind, in my memory, it was as if I was standing upright, and I'm looking at, to say, beautiful. Again, does not do it justice. It's just this beautiful ball of light. And the the voice told me to look at it, and so I did. So I was able to move around and peek around it. And it's funny because I still to this day remember it reminded me. I, I was peeking around like not sure that I should be looking, right? And it reminded me of when I was a child and my parents would put the presents under the Christmas tree and you wanted to you wanted to peek to see if anything was for you you know it had your name on it but you didn't want to get caught and so you're like looking over your shoulder while you're peeking and that, that's what I felt like but I had no reason to think that I don't know why I felt like but I did maybe because I was like a child I don't know and maybe because I was looking at a, the most tremendous gift I, I don't know so I, I looked at him for a while I peeked all around and then I came to face him head on and I looked at him I, I studied. Now, the surface, his surface was, it, it was multiple colors. And, and I've described this to people recently. I can't look at a fire any any longer, a wood fire with hot coals. You know how the, the hot coals, when it's just the hot coals, and the wind blows on it, and, and those those coals change color, and they, they sort of look like they're dancing. There's a black and an orange and a yellow. and, an, and a So the, the surface of the Holy Spirit moved like that. And it, and it, I, I don't understand, but that movement told me that he was alive. All right. I knew he was alive and he was beautiful, beautiful. And there was a peace. There was just a peace that came over me. There was no pain. I was again outside of time. I knew that I was in a different type of forever. I, but this was a forever. You didn't want to leave. No, the, that, that first forever in the red room is all I wished is that I could leave. And this one was all I wished was I could stay forever. And we'll get to that because that was a critical thought that something happened when I, when I made that thought. So as I'm looking at, at the Holy Spirit, it, it dawned on me, you know, I'm a science guy. I love the science channel and I make my poor family watch 
how the universe works all the time, right? And they call it how we're going to die because that's <laughs> it seems like all they talk about is that the sun's going to explode, right? So, but it, you know, you see the pictures of the sun, right? And the Holy Spirit looked like those pictures of the sun, except multiply its beauty by infinity, right? And so I stood there looking at it, and as I did, I could feel love touching me. Right? Now, I didn't have a body, but I could feel it. Maybe it was touching the outside of my soul. And it touched me, and, and, and it, the only thing I can describe it as is, and I'm not saying I felt loved, right? We've all felt loved. We know what it's like when somebody loves us, and you feel, oh, I can tell they love me, right? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm telling you that physically, and I don't even understand this. I'm saying it. I lived through it. I don't understand it. Physically, love, the love of God was touching me. I could feel it like rays of sunshine on my skin. And then I felt mercy in the same way. But the first thing I felt, even before that, I got ahead of myself, was I felt power. I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, I'm going to say, it, it doesn't travel. It was... The power of the Holy Spirit felt like it was passing through me, and it reached to the ends of the universe, but it doesn't travel there. there t it takes no time because it's there. It's everywhere, always. The power of the Holy Spirit covers and touches every part of the universe. It's always there, and I could feel it. And then I felt, when I felt that power, I realized that is when I, I gained such disdain. See, now I was elevated again in intellect. And remember in the Red Room, I said that I had the intellect, I had the knowledge of the world. Well, now that I was with the Holy Spirit, I had the knowledge of, we'll call it the knowledge of the universe. Right? So imagine our world is just a tiny little speck in the whole universe, and I had all that knowledge. Now multiply all of the knowledge of all of the universe, right, of all of God. I had the beatic vision. I had, I understood things in a way that the Lord let me, I was elevated by, by him to know all things. For example, the mysteries that we talk about in our religion, the things that because of our li limited human intellect, we can't understand. I understood them. I understood the Trinity perfectly. And it was so simple. Now I can assure you, I, I don't have that understanding now. The other thing I can assure you is, is that if any man here on earth tells you that they understand completely the Trinity, you know that he's lying. So I can tell you that while I was in that place, I understood it. That was not one of the, that was not a piece of knowledge that returned with me now. But when I, when I felt that power, I realized that I gained such disdain for the enemy to the point now where I said, I will not even name him. Right? I won't call him by name. See, I'm just a limited man, and I understood that with this power, with this vast, vast power, no one could fight that, and no one could win. Like, I knew that. Like, this power was ultimate power. No winning, no fighting. Like, it would be ludicrous to try. And see, then I thought, well, how could you do I even It's like I was talking to myself. I'm like, how could you have done that? How could you have fought against this power and thought you could win? I mean, I'm just a dumb man. You're a, this elevated angel. You even know more than me. And you thought you could win, right? I, I just had such disdain. What pride, what arrogance, right? Or to want to be away from that beauty or to be away from feeling that love. Yeah, that love, that mercy, that all of it, right? It was just, it's indescribable. And, and then... 
scripture passes passages flooded me now what what would happen is that the the scripture passage passage would flood my mind and then i would like i would blurt out the answer right like out of joy out of and so the first thing it floods my mind and i said oh my goodness if if you had just faith the size of the tiniest mustard seed you know against this great power you could indeed move mountains right you know and 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 then another scripture verse floods me and 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 i exalt out you know uh, yes against this this backdrop of power that that you know with this faith anything is possible it and then as these scripture verses keep flooding me and i keep exalting the answers I I get to see the Christmas star. I see the Christmas star as it was it is. It, it looks like what I'm looking at. And I realize, you know, when as a child I used to think, how did how did the wise men find the place where Jesus was? Right? I, I would go outside and I would look up and there looked like there were a thousand stars over my house. How did they follow a star to a, a particular house, right? But see, I was looking. It looked like those pictures. The Holy Spirit, he looked like those pictures that we see in the Christmas cards, right? With the spires, the beautiful gossamer spires, right? It made sense that the wise men, they would they would see this star, this thing in, in the sky, right? And they, they'd look at it, and it's the person next to him. Well, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? And they said, what are you talking about? I don't see anything. And they would be compelled to follow the Holy Spirit. And they would follow it over the next hill, over the next mountain, and, and, and until finally it came literally to rest over the place where Jesus was. I, I, I never understood. Why didn't Herod just go to where that star was if he wanted to kill Jesus? See, because Herod couldn't see him. And it was so much like Jesus' ministry here on earth. See, Jesus only showed himself truly to to those who he needed to. It made sense why he could walk up to a fisherman mending his net on the shore and say, follow me, and he drops everything and follows him, right? Because he showed him just for a second who he was. And then I saw, and then I saw Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when they came to arrest him. And they say, are you, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am. See, because it's the same same name that God gave to Moses when he saw him in the burning bush. See, because God, God just is. God always is, always was, always will be God. And see, Jesus says, I am, and, and he shows them what I was seeing. He showed them that power just for a brief second. And there no man could stand in the power of the Lord. And so what do they do? They fall to the ground. And see, the Lord did that for their benefit and for ours, right? He wanted everyone. He wanted them and he wanted us to know that they did not take him. They could not take him. So he went willingly. He went willingly with them for the sacrifice. And then I, 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 looked, at the, I looked at the Holy Spirit and I it just, and that's when I said, I, I wanted to just, I wanted this to never end. I was able to look down. I looked down kind of below me to the right, and I could see my family. And I knew that they would be okay. See, because I knew the Lord would take care of them. He takes care of each and every one of us. I knew that he would provide. 
He would take care of them and it would be okay if I stayed. And as I was thinking that, one of those beautiful gossamer spires reached out and touched me in my soul. And I emptied into the Lord and the Lord emptied into me at the same time. Both of us traveling in that spire that got in and every good thing. And again, these words don't do it justice. Love and peace and joy and bliss and ecstasy and every good thing poured into me. And as 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 the connection lasted, it, it, it increased and it. As the time went on, and it got greater and greater, and all I could say was, more. I wanted more. Oh. And at that point, it increased until I lost consciousness. And I woke up in my bed. The sun was up. This happened. This probably happened around maybe 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. I, I lost consciousness at that point, and I slept until probably 7 or 8 in the morning, pain-free. I don't even know if the doctors and nurses came in to check on me. And I remained pain-free until they came in, and they administered the first dose of pain medicine, and then my pain returned. And I've always wondered if I, if I, would, have, I would have rejected that pain medicine, if I, if, if I would have remained pain-free the rest of my life, but, but I haven't. I mean, and, and pain is one of the things that has remained with me. And so has that thought of redemptive suffering. And so I openly and welcomely carry my pain, carry my cross with joy. And uh, if I can share, so there is, there is such blessings within suffering. See, that's when the Lord truly does pick us up and carry us. And we will never be closer than when we're in the arms of the Lord and he's carrying us. And because I have exited time, I understand it in a different way than most people. See, I used to always struggle in under, trying to understand how Jesus could have died for my sins when I hadn't even been born. It's been 2,000 years. How did he die for my sins? And see, we have to look at things not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. So God is outside of time. He's looked at the beginning and the end at the same moment. He has seen my birth and my death as well as yours. He sees it all at the same time. While we're speaking about this right now, Christ is being born from God's perspective. While we're speaking about this right now, Christ is hanging on the cross. See, from God's perspective, it all happens at once. And so when I sin tomorrow, Jesus is suffering on the cross from God's perspective. And so with that thought, with that understanding of how God died for our sins, right, then we can also give comfort to the Lord in his passion. We can be Simon of Cyrene. See, we, so much, so often, we want the resurrection. We want the Lord that has conquered death. We want the Lord that has crushed sin, right? That's what we want. But, you know, there's a time, there's a place when Christ needs us, right? When he is on his knees with the cross on his back, and he looks up and he needs help lifting that cross. 
And so today, tomorrow, next year, when we pick up our cross with joy, with happiness, see, that's when the Lord, that's when we pick up his cross with him. And the funny thing is about it, it's amazing. When we make that offering to pick up our cross and carry it for him, that's when we realize that he's actually picking our cross up and carrying it for us. It's just a, an amazing thing. And there's nothing, there is no better thing in the world than to be carrying your cross shoulder to shoulder, right? The Lord on one side, the cross is between the two of you. Your forehead is against his crown of thorns. There's just nothing. You will never be closer to the Lord on this earth than when you do that. And so I carry my cross and I offer it to the Lord and I tell him, Lord, can you feel my love? While you hang on that cross, can you feel my love? Because while I'm loving him here and now, he is alone on the cross. And we have the opportunity to be on that cross with him. Wow, that's that's amazing stuff. It's really providential that you and I are talking because we 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 didn't know each other before just a, a couple of weeks ago. We've only talked a couple more times than each of these episodes, but you are sharing this experience with your listeners and with audiences wherever you can go and I, and I'm doing the same thing with the Seven Sorrows Rosary and one of the main messages that really inspires my devotion to this, the Our Lady of Sorrows is Psalm 69, 21, which is exactly what you heard just saying. Psalm 69 is like Psalm 22, why have you abandoned me? But Psalm 69 is written from the perspective of the cross. The psalmist says, I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. That's Jesus speaking from the cross. Everything else that you're talking about, those themes that tie in the, the power of redemptive suffering, that's why we suffer. And the next episode, we're going to talk about suffering. The title of this podcast is Everybody Suffers because it's true, everybody suffers. And what does suffering mean and what can we do with it? Because the reality is suffering is spiritual capital. It's something that we can use for the benefit of other people. I can't wait to, to, to continue this discussion, but I know that we, we've got to wrap this episode up. Yeah, you know, on that, I know you do this every time you want to wrap it up, and I want to throw one more thing in there. You know, uh, St. Padre Pio would always say, suffering is a great, you know, a great gift for those who choose to use it wisely. And that's exactly what you were just saying. Because right. it, it is a gift, and, and we do need to use it wisely. There's such good we can do. Imagine a world where everybody was willing to suffer for our Lord. What that world would look like. Yes, that would be something. There's one part of your story that I want to come back to and tie it into the message from Our Lady of Kibeho. Because... Mary appeared in Kibeho in Rwanda and she warned about the genocide. But listen to what she said. And this is the motivation, really, for praying the seven sorrows. Because she warned them about this horrific genocide. And here's what she said. She said, when I show myself to someone and talk to them, I want to turn to the whole world. If I am turning to a parish of Kibeho, it does not mean that I am concerned only for Kibeho, 
or for the Diocese of Butare, or for Rwanda, or for the whole of Africa. I am concerned with and turning to the whole world. The world is evil and rushes towards its ruin. And Ed, here's, here it is. She says, it is about to fall into an abyss. <laughs> the world is in rebellion against God. Many sins are being committed. There is no love and no peace. If you do not repent and convert your hearts, you will all fall into an abyss. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want to avoid any bit abyss. Yeah. And especially as you described it, I want to avoid that abyss. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That there's about a thousand things running through my, my head right now, but yeah. So that's the motivation that I'm speaking to you, the, the audience, as you are driving in your truck or you're on the treadmill or you're just passing the time and you've got the headset on and you're listening to this podcast. This is an important time in the history of the world because otherwise Mary wouldn't have come to Quebejo and performed celestial miracles and had the visionaries die and rise from the dead. She's trying to get our attention and she's trying to prevent us from falling into that abyss. And that's my plea that's my call for people to pray the seven sorrows rosary. And we have to end on this note, but we're going to be back with another episode. So thank you everybody for joining this podcast today. Who can you share this with? It's, it's Lent. What a perfect time to share all of these episodes. Just text them to somebody, tell them to tune in and tune in for our next episode tomorrow. I'm Carl Brown with the everybody suffers.com podcast. This has been Ed Joseph. Thank you so much, Ed, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer request at carl at everybodysuffers.com. And if, if you don't, I'm, I'm going to pray for you anyway. So my hope is that through this podcast, I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you can experience consolation or you can share consolation with others. Our Lady of Kibeho. Pray for pray. us. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for, pray us. for us. God bless you all. Have a great day. Goodbye. God bless.